Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I am so excited today to be speaking to this wonderful woman, Amy Beckley. Thanks for being here, Amy. Um, I'm going to jump into her bio because it's very impressive. She has a PhD in pharmacology from University of Colorado. She studied hormone signaling for over 15 years. Her personal battle with infertility and miscarriage gave her a passion for reproductive hormone signaling. I know for some of you listening probably are like a passion for reproductive hormone signaling, but that's so up my alley. I love to geek out on all of that. So I'm excited to hear about that. Amy had seven miscarriages that no one can understand why she kept losing the pregnancies after pregnancy. So I'm sure a lot of you listening can relate to that. So we'll dig into that as well. Frustrated with not getting answers, she went into her own basement and created a new type of diagnostic test to help women understand the main cause of infertility to move forward, to move them forward, which I mean, who goes and does that? I guess Amy does. (laughs) If you have a PhD in pharmacology, it's probably a lot easier than your average person. So welcome, Amy. I can't wait to dive into so many of these things. I am so excited to be here. So again, I do get overly excited and like all amped up to hear about uh, hear about all of this. But first, let's start by you talking about what kind of led you down this path and seven miscarriages. Oh my gosh, that's so heavy. How, like, what was going on before that? Did you know that you had any issue around fertility prior? And I mean, seven's, you know, obviously more than your average, right? So how did that all start and come about and tell it, walk us through that a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, I had no idea. Um, I was one of those people that had heavy periods, uh, as a a teenager and and in college. And so I was put on birth control. Um, and I stayed on it for, I don't know, 15, 15 years. And then when I met my husband, we got married and decided to start a family. I came off the pill and started tracking cycle and I could tell something was wrong. Um, my cycles were just not normal. I would ovulate late. I was doing the temperature tracking. I was peeing on sticks. I was doing all the things. Um, and when I realized that it just didn't look, didn't feel normal, it wasn't right. Um, I went to the doctor and they told me that I hadn't been trying long enough and to go back because I was only 28 and I had plenty of time. Um, and there was nothing they could do, which was very frustrating. So frustrating. I feel like that's the, I don't care if you're whatever age you are, right? 25, 45, whatever to, to say that is to me, it feels irrelevant, right? You want that when you want that. And the time spent in order to get there, you shouldn't have to kind of watch the clock go by in order to get help. Right. Yeah. So, um, probably my seventh month trying, I, uh, did get pregnant and I had a glorious week of being pregnant before Mm -hmm. I lost that pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And once and I- was that first loss, I mean, they're all traumatic, but was it like, tell us a little bit about that because I know for me, it was each one was a little bit different. Um, one, I didn't have any bleeding. It was just went to the doctor and there was no heartbeat. Another one, I had very small bleedings. You know, some people have, you know, it's all over the board. What, what was that? If you don't mind me asking, what was that for you that first time? Um, it was bleeding and then it turned into a heavy period. Okay. Um, I was only, you know, like five and a half weeks, somewhere around there. So I was pretty early on. Mm -hmm. Um, but that first loss, like ripped all of the joy out of pregnancy. Like, you know, I, I had friends that never had miscarriages and they just, you know, they're happy go lucky. They're just like, Oh, this is so great. And they're like doing the the thing on the app where they're measuring now it's a blueberry and now it's a watermelon or whatever it is, you know, and they're just, they don't know. Right. But like, as soon as you have that first loss, you're like, constantly every single time you go to the bathroom you're checking the toilet paper you're punching your boobs do they still hurt like do I still feel nauseous let me smell something make sure I still have the morning sickness because you just you want to know that everything's okay and you're so scared that it's going to happen again and so like I only had like a week and a half of pregnancy where I was like this is so cool like this is amazing and then every other time I got pregnant after that it was this oh my gosh I'm so scared I got to make it another day, you know, like it's just, it rips all the the joy <laughs> out of it's it. It's traumatic, uh, you it know, is. it's traumatic and it's a death. And whether you have that idea in your head for five days or five weeks, whatever it is, I say this to people all the time. You've already written that story. We've already looked up your due date. We already know what's happening. Like the wheels are already in motion of what that story is. And as you said, that joy gets ripped from you as soon as you have that news and, and going forward, like you say, because you're constantly on eggshells, no pen intended about how, because we don't get an answer of why this happens usually. Right. So you think there, what did I do wrong? Did I eat something wrong? Did I walk too much? Did I not walk enough? You know, did I eat or drink something I shouldn't have? So it's, grieving a death without an answer as to why that death has happened. And then having the paranoia of, well, what if I do something wrong again? Because nobody can give me an answer as to why it happens other than, oh, it's not your fault. But really all we keep thinking of, well, it has to be our fault, of course. Right. What I mean. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're nailing it. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So, so I had the loss and I was like, all right, well, at least the silver lining is, I had a loss. I can go now get help that I need because I knew I have this issue. Right. Um, Now you're legitimately needing help from according to the doctor, right? (laughs) Well, no, that's what I thought. Oh, again. And they said, oh, well, you've only had one loss and you really haven't been trying long enough. You're only like, you know, seven months in. Um, It happens. It's, it's a very common one out of four pregnancies end in loss. Um, And so I was sent home again with nothing, no testing, no anything like, you know, chances are it won't happen again. Um, probably nothing you did. It's probably sperm, meat, egg, uh, DNA issues, you know, probably, 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 but again, no answers. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, long story short, we had several losses and we finally hit that magic threshold where I could go see care. And that was 12, uh, months of trying or three miscarriages. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I got in, um, the OB didn't know how to help me. Mm-hmm. I had to go to an RE. 
Um, and I got there and he was fantastic. He did everything he possibly could do. We run all the tests, um, did all the exams. And for those of you listening, and Ari is a reproductive endocrinologist who specializes in fertility. So that would be referred like the fertility doctor is the RE. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So went, did all the testing. Everything came back normal. Everything was like great. And so, which is so frustrating, right? Because, is. and that, I try to tee people up to that too, because oftentimes, and you, I correct me if you may have felt this, but I did. It was like, please give me this recurring loss pregnancy panel so I can finally get an answer of what's happening. And yet, dun, 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 no answer. So then I feel like we're back to square one. Was, did you feel that same way? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, <clears throat> and he basically said, really the only thing that you can do um, with the highest success rate is, is IVF. So we don't know what's wrong with you. Let's bypass everything that it possibly can be and we'll do IVF. That's going to be the highest chance. And so at that point, having so many losses and having, you know, being three years in deep into this journey, I was like, yes, let's do it. Like, I'm just, mm-hmm. I, I, I need to be a mom. I need to get this off this roller coaster. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so we did it and I have a 12 year old um, son awesome. as a result. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Um, and then when he was about two, I decided, we decided that we were going to try again. Um, but this time I did not want to do IVF. I wanted to figure out what it was. And so I, you know, I have a PhD in pharmacology and I went and I started researching hormones and reproductive signaling and miscarriage and, and all this stuff and like how IVF works and all the meds and what happens and just really going crazy about everything, you know, hormone fertility related And the interesting thing that I found out was when they do studies for IVF, they're all funded by, you know, the pharmaceutical companies that make the medications. Right. And so they had these, all these studies about how, when you do IVF and you do the transfer, you have to put a whole bunch of progesterone in after the, you know, after in the luteal phase to support the pregnancy. There's Mm -hmm. all these studies about these increased pregnancy rates when women were given progesterone in their luteal phase. And then I think back into my situation and I was like, I had a short luteal phase, which means the time from my positive ovulation test to my period, seven, maybe eight days, nine tippy tops. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of spotting as well, which means that is, those are signs of low progesterone that my body wasn't making enough progesterone. And so I went to the doctor, I was like, this progesterone thing is like a miracle. Why do we only do it with IVF? And he's like, well, we only do the studies in the context of IVF. There aren't very many studies where you give it to women naturally. So we don't really know if it is helpful or not. Mm-hmm. And so what he was explaining to me was there's a train of thought that if you have low progesterone, it's from a bad egg. And it's a genetically bad egg. And so it won't make enough progesterone. But if you think about how the human body works is you have an ovary and the ovary makes all your hormones and it makes your egg. And when the egg is mature, the ovary will release the egg. It will go and get fertilized in the uterus and the ovary makes the hormones. So they're totally different. And it's the genetic component in the egg that makes it a quote unquote good egg or bad egg. Um, and if it's genetically not normal, that's what's going to cause the miscarriage. 
And so I was like, well, I don't think the two things are related. I don't think you can have bad progesterone because of a bad egg. Like, I think they're just totally different. I agree. <laughs> right. And so can I just have the, did this doctor not know what he know what he was getting into when you walked in the door? <laughs> oh no, he didn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, he's great. I love him. Like I've, we're still in contact. He's on yeah, my medical advisory I'm, board. He's I'm a kidding. great human being, but no, he was not prepared for all the conversations that Amy would have in his office, Yes, <laughs> but he loved it. Cause he loves research and he loves, you know, innovating. And so he absolutely supported me, you know, 100%. Um, but yeah, he's like, you know what? There's no harm in giving progesterone. We don't know if it's going to work, but why not no problem giving it to you? Which, I mean, I know I had begged my doctor who was an RE for progesterone before, because they would always be, well, let us know when you get a positive test and then we'll give it to you. I'm like, at that point, it's too late, you know? Yeah, can we talk about that more, please? Yes. <laughs> that is too late. Okay. Progesterone prepares the uterus for implantation. Therefore, if you do not have progesterone before your positive pregnancy test, it is too late. Yes. I mean, and- we yeah, know that, but so why do you think the don't doctors don't, I don't know. So in your opinion, why would you, why do you think that they would say that and not do it? Because to me, to, to your doctor's point, well, let's just give it to you anyway, because now people are going to alternative ways to try to find progesterone because their doctors won't, their medical doctors won't give it to them. So they're, you know, finding alternative areas for it, so to speak, um, because they're so desperate to say in same as you, well, let me just try this because fingers crossed, God willing, that is the answer and it will stick, right? If we, if our body is, has enough going into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a couple issues. The first one is lack of research. So because it's a bioidentical hormone and it's generic and there's no money in it, there's very little funding on it right? IVF is huge. And so there's lots of funding on the ability of progesterone to be increased pregnancy rates in the context of IVF hugely. Um, the second one is there is no, let me remember, was no good diagnostic test to determine if you had enough progesterone after ovulation to support implantation. And so that was the missing piece. So like when I went back to, and I said, okay, well they missed my diagnosis, right? It was because I was doing a single blood draw on seven days after ovulation. And so I had great levels on seven. They started dropping on, on eight period on nine. And if you think about our physiology, you have your ovary, your egg leaves it. It goes all the way through the fallopian tubes, gets fertilized somewhere in here, has to go all the way into the uterus and it has to implant before your next period starts. That journey takes between, you know, anywhere from like eight to 10 days after you actually release the egg. And so if my period was coming before implantation had a chance to really get a stronghold, I would, you know, I'd get that positive pregnancy test and then I would lose it because it, it the, the uterine lining wasn't receptive enough to hold a healthy pregnancy. Yeah. And I, I've drum roll too. Now there is a way to know what that is. So let's, I, I want to stay on that conversation, but I also want to get to the the main feature of this whole podcast and how we connected is by this amazing product that you have created. So again, back to your basement, you were working diligently to figure this all out and birthed, created something down there, which is now what? 
Uh, it is called PROOF. Um, it is a urine-based non-invasive test to confirm what we call successful ovulation. And so what we do is we don't look at progesterone. We look at the metabolite of progesterone in urine throughout the entire implantation window. So seven, eight, nine, and 10 days after that positive ovulation test. And we're looking for sustained elevated levels of this hormone throughout that four-day period. That lets us know it is a successful and a healthy ovulatory event where your ovary has not only produced progesterone, but sustained elevated levels to really cover that entire implantation window. And so we just did a clinical study that got published last month where it shows that if you have high levels, your chances of pregnancy are 75% higher than if your levels are low after ovulation. Amazing. Congratulations on the published study. And I will repeat, she said 75% people. That's not 7% or 5%, 75%. and if you're starting to get on this infertility journey or fertility journey, as I like to refer to it, get this product. It's P-R-R-P-R-O-O-V. And you will not regret it. If anything, learning more about your body helps you shorten the time that you're able to get pregnant in whatever way that that is, right? I mean, Hopefully you have no issue and everything's great, but at least you can check that box off and know. And if you do, then you're able to have more leverage and more knowledge going into your doctor's appointments to say, hey, this is what I did. This is what I found out. Can we start to go down this route and advocate for yourself? So that is huge. So thank you, Amy, for the work that you did there. I think there's a little bit of confusion sometimes with people with the off the shelf um ovulation predictor kits right that are we find in the drugstores can you tell us a little bit about the difference between these so that we can clear up some of that confusion so that they really understand the value of why prove is so important in understanding your body and the cycle yeah absolutely i mean it's very simple two things have to have to happen to be pregnant one you have to fertilize an egg The second one is it has to implant in the uterus. And so the ovulation tests really help you understand when in time in your cycle, the ovary is going to release the egg so that you can time intercourse so that sperm can swim up the fallopian tube and be there to meet the egg and to help with fertilization. So that's ovulation tests help you know your fertile window to help you time intercourse so that you can have fertilization. The other thing that needs to happen is implantation. And so for implantation to occur, your ovary then needs to make enough progesterone to support a nice, you know, I call it a peanut butter sandwich where it's a nice sticky environment where as soon as that fertilized egg hits it, it just like sticks in, it's not going where it's like Velcro. And so that's what Prove does is it really tracks uh, progesterone via the urine metabolite over the implantation window to make sure you're producing enough of this hormone. And if you aren't, Um, Our clinical study also shows that there are simple medications like luteal phase progesterone, so taking progesterone after a positive ovulation test, um, as well as um, ovulation-inducing medications like letrozole, Clomid, um, really excellent at inducing ovulation if you have an ovulatory issue disorder. Um, There's also diet and exercise, um, mindfulness, meditation, acupuncture, I mean, 
the, the reason that, you know, a lot of the supplements and a lot of the, the clean eating and diet and stuff helps increase pregnancy rates is because it helps your ovary produce those hormones. And then you have the hormones that can support conception. So, you know, it's really important, um, you know, to have enough estrogen and then have enough progesterone in your cycle to build that lining, stabilize that lining and make it a good environment for that embryo to thrive. Absolutely. Amen to that. And even speaking of estrogen, progesterone, all those things, even after you're, you know, trying to conceive or in that fertile window of your life period, the hormones in our body are so important to maintain the health of our overall health as women for that matter too. So I think if you're listening to this and you're still, of course, trying to conceive, this is urgently important, but even not the, the idea of understanding your body, understanding the cycle, making sure that your hormone levels are still in balance and in check really is going to make a difference of your overall health. Um, they say it's your sixth vital sign is your cycle and keeping those hormones in check and everything really does make a difference in your, how you show up in the world and, and how your body functions. So, um, don't disregard it if you're past having children, I guess, is the, the thought process. Absolutely. So I want to get back to the basement and how you started to come to this. And at what point are you like, I think I'm going to create a product and go to market with something that's missing. I mean, not uh, many yeah. people have, have that ability. So how did that all come about? Yeah. So, so once I realized it was a progesterone deficiency, I asked my doctor for progesterone and it, it magically worked. I have a nine-year-old. Um, and then I kind of, and you weren't surprised, I'm sure. Right. You were like, I told you, (laughs) I mean, I am very, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) Um, I was very, very thankful that I could complete my family. Let's just call it that. Like, you know, and so I just kind of came out of the closet, so to speak, and just, you know, I was so internalized and I was so ashamed and I was so like, felt like less of a woman because I couldn't keep a pregnancy. I felt like something was wrong with me. Like I was just not, just not in a good spot. And so I didn't tell anybody what I was going through. And so when I finally had that success, I came out and I said, I've been dealing with this and this is what happened. So many women came to me, family, friends, Amy, what did you do? I'm struggling too. And I would share to them all these things. And I would just get my friends pregnant one after one. (laughs) And so finally, somebody called me, one of my friends called me, she's like, we have to do something like you figured something out that is helping so many people. Let's just do it. So like, you know, I got on my computer and I made some crazy PowerPoint thing with like my idea. And I like, um, we did a crowdfunding campaign and we said, okay, if you guys want this product, we'll buy, you know, you'll buy it and then we'll make it and we'll send it to you. And it was just the simple idea of passing it along and and moving that forward and helping other women get the information that they need i mean i felt like this was why it happened to me that i had those seven losses so that i could help prevent other people from going down that pathway as well um one of my proudest moments is when my very own sister who's 8 years younger than i am called me and asked me okay, what is this thing that you have? I need to do it. I just took my IUD out and we found the issue for her cycle one and fixed it. And she got pregnant and kept it and everything was good. And she was like, I just refused to kind of go through this. And so 
like being able to take what I did and like help other people where they've been struggling and they haven't had the right tools and they haven't had the right resources to fully understand. I mean, we're taking the unexplained, we're explaining it to them, and then we're giving them a treatment that's a hundred dollar treatment and not a twenty thousand dollar treatment. It's and twenty thousand dollars the low end, I'll yeah. add, right? So <laughs> yes, <laughs> just as end. a reference point, a hundred dollars looks a lot better than what potentially could be. And what a beautiful experience. I mean, we're talking on the Creation Innovation podcast. And as I'm saying that, this is literally creation innovation that Amy has created. Um, she's innovated something amazing that is affecting lives and helping them create families, which is amazing and incredible. And what you should be so proud of yourself. And I hope that you think you're a badass every day because our whole community of fertility workers does. And so grateful for what you did because it, it really is a game changer. And it's a conversation that I have with people literally every day where when they come to me, they have had multiple losses or multiple transfers fail. And they they almost become numb to it. And you have to help them recognize like this isn't something that you should have to become numb to. Like this is very sad and it's really difficult but yet there's something there's other things that we can do to try to help you and it's not something that you should have to be dealing with to just kind of measure through it so to speak but um congratulations on all all that you have created and all the babies that have come out from that as well so cool yeah thanks yeah i want to go back to something you talked about earlier with um, everyone thinks it's their fault. They had the pregnancy loss. And I absolutely thought it was my fault. I was like, well, I ate that thing or I did that thing or exercise too much, or I was carrying that too heavy thing or whatever it was. Right. Um, and so that's why I'm really passionate about giving women answers. You know, I actually learned that there's about 25 to 30% of uh, pregnancy loss that is preventable. And so we try to teach women if you have an infection like an STD, I mean, you got to get that treated. That could cause miscarriage. If you have low progesterone, you got to get that treated. That could cause miscarriage. Mm -hmm. um, structural abnormalities in the uterus, you got to get your uterus checked. Um, and so I refuse to believe that that um, even though miscarriage is is common, that it's normal and that we should wait for two or three or even one loss, honestly. I agree. I, mean, I agree. So advocate for yourself. Um, and you know, final thought is like, if you go into a doctor's office and they turn you away, go to another one. They're not the only one on the block. Like telemedicine is here. You can open up your computer and you can find a whole bunch of people. Um, that has to be an active conversation between you and your physician. Um, you have to find somebody who's going to support you. Otherwise you need to move on. Yeah. I think the benefit of fertility being such a booming industry is that there are clinics popping up everywhere these days, but also there's fertility doctors, REs that are coming out that are young and they're open to all these things. And they, it's a whole new way of thinking. They understand that the patients coming in are very educated. They are advocating for themselves and they're open to that conversation. I know when I started, it really wasn't like that. My guy, my first guy was on the first IVF at the NIH 40 years ago. And so he's kind of like 
this is how it goes and wasn't really open to those conversations. Um, so there are so many people that are willing to partner with you on this journey and you have a right to be heard and interview them just as you know they're interviewing you, so to speak, when you're going to speak to these REs. There's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of really great ones that can help you. And you just wanna, I always say, just get the lay of the land of what you're dealing with, right? Because if you are waiting six months or a year, but you have something structural, versus, you know, just progesterone, let's say just, which is not to downplay that. But, you know, if you have blocked tubes, but you're trying for a year, that's irrelevant, right? So let's just see the lay of the land of what you're dealing with. And sometimes that might mean you have to fib a little bit and say, I've actually been trying longer than I have so that you can get your foot in the door because we don't want to really waste time when you're in the situation of you want to build your family. It doesn't, it shouldn't have kind of a time frame on that. So Again, thank you for being here. And let's talk one for anybody who's listening, who's looking to create their own business as well. How did you go about starting to do VC funding and all of that kind of stuff? Um, you know, we started this as a mission to just help women and create a good product and fill, fill a gap, fill a need. And I was like, you know what, if people will still buy it, I will still make it. Um, and you know, we just grew organically and I just had opportunities where I would present and I got connected with, with other people and we got connected with the VC scene and the angels, um, angel network. And I mean, you got to surround yourself with good people is what basically the advice I have to give is I'm a scientist. I also, I mean, I also have an MBA but the MBA was really to help me understand what's the, what's the business, what's the foundation, who do I need around me? Um, you cannot have a solo solopreneur. You have to have a company. Um, and so find good people. Find somebody who knows business if you don't know it. Find somebody who knows science if you don't know it. Um, you know, having somebody on your legal side, IP side is huge, important. Like that was one of our very first, um, you know, founding members of the team was an IP attorney, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, um, I see a, a common issue in the, in the, in the world is this is my invention. I own it. I'm not going to give up any ownership of this. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can't, you have to give up ownership if you want to move forward, if you want to get good people, if you want to raise money. Um, and so if you really like, that's, you know, that was a hard choice for me. Cause it's like, well, I can do it, but there's only so much I can do <laughs> by myself. Mm -hmm. And so if I want more people to have access to this technology and I want to have more impact in the world and have save more couples from heartache and pain, I have to grow my team. Yeah. And so, you know, we have a great team of, of people, um, a great team of investors. And I'm just very, very thankful that we're all really just on this journey together to help more couples. That's awesome. Well, again, congratulations, because it's definitely not an easy feat. And I think there's part of it where you say just kind of having the right people around you and all of that sort of stuff. But n no doubt that you dug in and did the work. I know that for a fact. And so grateful again that you had that insight to keep digging and figure out the answers because I know so many of us want those answers, but we don't have the foresight to understand 
the background of how that all comes together and then to have those conversations. So for the collective that are in the same situation that you are and have then gone on to do other things, thank you for all that you've done and having that great team and sharing that information for anybody who's looking to become an entrepreneur and understand that it is a team effort. And I think, as you mentioned, it's also stepping back to say, what is the impact that I want this to have, right? And understanding that that's kind of always the vision to stay with, I think, that that matters because, especially when you're in an industry like this, because it's it ultimately, most of the people that have started, I say most in these kind of smaller areas, had their own journey, right? Versus the big pharmaceutical companies, they're so far removed from the story of who's actually using their medication and who's doing it. You lived it, you breathed it, you were dealing with it yourself. So I think that's felt from everybody who comes in contact with your product and your story because it, it just digs out a little bit deeper on everybody. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you. And we will be talking soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Amy. All right, bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.